1: We are appointed to cabinets and administrations and boards and councils. Uh, Some of us are playing the inside game, and some of us are not. We are pushing from the outside as organizers and activists. And I want to teach you for a moment how how that works. I want to share a story that I don't think I've ever shared here on The Breakdown Podcast. And I want to tell you why neither group is better than the other, but both groups always think they are. <laughs> Let me unpack and explain it and talk to you about how I think we can influence the incoming Biden-Harris administration. This is Sean King. You are listening to the,
0: the, the Breakdown. The Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. Hey everybody, as you know, it's July and I'm taking the month off to be with my family. But you know, a lot of people don't follow their passion of opening a business because the logistical side of things is just too complicated. That's why ShipStation is great. They take care of the tough stuff so you can focus on running your business. No matter where you're selling, if it's Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation funnels all of your orders into one simple interface that you can manage from anywhere, even your cell phone. I'm doing it right now. I've used ShipStation many times and can genuinely say they're the best. They make it easy to get orders out affordably and on time. Ship more in less time. Just use the offer code BREAKDOWN to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no hassle, stress-free shipping. Just go to shipstation.com, click on the microphone on the top of the page, and type in "breakdown." That's one word. Go to shipstation.com, enter offer code "breakdown," make ship happen. The break, the break, the break, the break, breakdown.
1: I want to start today by telling you a story. I tell a little bit of this in my book. And I don't know that I've ever really talked about it here on the podcast, even though we're almost 400 episodes in. In December of 2014, it was um, maybe a week or so before Christmas, I found myself in a deep, deep funk. And I had stopped everything in my life, including quitting my job to help organize and bring attention to the crisis of police violence in this country. I was fighting for justice for Eric Garner, for Mike Brown, for John Crawford, for Tamir Rice. I got to know many of those families. And slowly but surely, come December, after nearly, you know, five months of four to five months of fighting, we realized that there was going to be no justice for Eric Garner, no justice for Mike Brown, no justice for John Crawford. And it appeared that there would be no justice for Tamir Rice. And it was devastating because those of us who were fighting and organizing and would stopped our entire lives to do this. We had given it everything we had. And, it's hard to describe the feeling now when you give something everything you've got and basically get almost nothing or next to nothing in return. And there were some gains, but we were fighting for those officers to be held accountable. I just want to be real about it. We, there were good things that came out of those months, but what we were fighting for was the officers who killed Eric Garner, Michael Brown, John Crawford, Tamir Rice, and more, and the nearly 1,200 people who were killed by police in 2014, we were calling for those officers to be held accountable. And what we realized is that the system was not designed to give us that type of accountability. It was designed as a tool of oppression. It wasn't designed to give us justice. It was designed to impose justice on us. Or injustice on us. And come December, I found myself in a bad place. And I got a call from a friend of mine who worked at the White House, Obama's White House, and had been there for several years. And he told me, he said, Sean, tomorrow we are about to announce the members of a new task force on policing. And he said, Sean, and I, I thought this conversation was going in a very different direction. He said, Sean, so many people here, what we know about police violence and what we know about these cases, so much of it we learn from you, from your articles. I would started writing professionally at that point, uh, from your social media and the way you break the stories down. And he said, so much of what we know, I'm not sure we would even know it had you not broke the stories down. And uh, I, I didn't know where this was going, but I was feeling pretty good about it. <laughs> and uh, just dumb. And my friend I now know was using kind of what we call the sandwich method, where you start a hard-ass conversation off with good news and compliments, and then you drop the hammer which is like the meat of the sandwich, and then you put the uh, soft, fluffy piece back on to, to end the conversation. And he said, you know, man, I, you know, we're just thankful, and we're just grateful. And I was thinking, like, damn, am I about to get an award from the White House or what? <laughs> so stu- So stupid. And he said, man, I just want you to know that, you know, we're announcing this 21st Century Task Force on Policing tomorrow. And I just didn't want you to be surprised because even though, you know, so many people, when they think about police violence right now, they think about your work and your stories and and your role and beginning to organize people and all of this. He said, uh, I just didn't want you to be surprised when you're not on the task force. And I'm not normally one that loves to be on committees, (laughs) but I felt like at that point in time. I was writing 3 to 5 articles a day, which is a crazy pace. Every single day, hundreds and hundreds of articles on police violence and and just the epidemic that was overtaking the country. And I had talked to almost every family that was publicly known that had experienced police violence. And he said to me, he says Sean, he said a lot of the people, most of the people that we've put on this task force are people that the public won't even know, and he said that's on purpose, he said, Sean, we really want this task force to be low key and kind of fly under the radar and he said, you know you you've made some critiques of president obama you you've been involved in some controversy, and what we don't want is to announce the task force, and it'd be like controversial leader appointed to Obama task force for that to be the story. And I, and I understood, but I was hurt. And I was disappointed because I felt like I had something to add to that task force. But I, I didn't say that to him. I just thanked him for giving me a call. And it was, that's what a friend does. You know, a friend doesn't just give you the good news and the compliments, a friend calls you and tells you such a thing. And what I did next was one of the dumbest things I've done over the past 10 years, and there have been, there've been a few dumb, really dumb moments, but this is one of the worst. I have a quick word from one of our favorite sponsors, and then I have to tell you the hook of this story. It's what I really want you to hear. Be right back.
0: Hi, this is Ghani Rose, chief content editor here at The North Star, encouraging you to check out thenorthstar.com every day for insightful, engaging commentary on the stories that impact our culture. The writers at The North Star make it our mission to advocate, mobilize, agitate, and disrupt in the name of creating liberation-centered content. We unapologetically center the narratives of Black, Brown, and Indigenous people, We understand that you can get news from anywhere, so we are more interested in offering perspective that speaks to the experiences of our audience. We write freely and with freedom on our minds. We invite you to indulge in our daily editorials and engage in the dialogue that will change the world.
1: So back to my story, my, my homie called me, said, we're announcing the task force. I just didn't want you to be surprised when you saw it and, and you're not on it or not a part of it in any way. And I said, OK. And the next day, this was like during the Christmas holiday season. And uh, this is no excuse, but <laughs> but I had uh, I had strep throat. I was super sick. I was in a bad place, not just because of the strep throat, but I. I, I, I was probably depressed. I didn't really even understand the concept of therapy at that point in time. And I saw the list that came out. And there was a, a police chief that was helping to lead the, 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 the task force. And there were a couple good people on it. And I saw some people. I was like, who are these folk? And what have they been saying about police violence and doing about police violence? And why, why were they appointed? And even if not, if not me, why not anybody that had a hard edge about why police violence needed to change? And I got on Twitter and started talking trash about the task force. And basically saying that they appointed people who wouldn't rock the boat, wouldn't challenge the status quo. And people who were not advancing the, the, the newest, most progressive ideas on how we would change the system. And, and I basically said, you know, they invited people who kind of colored within the lines. And if any of them had challenged the system enough to color outside of the lines, it appears they would not have been invited to the task force. And that doesn't sound so bad. It was harsher than that. It was, cr- it was crass. It was inappropriate. And I regret it. And I have regretted it ever since. And it started trending on Twitter because some of the people who were on the task force were offended. Their friends were offended. And they all felt like I had thrown them under the bus and the task force hadn't even started yet and I was already talking trash about it. And it became a top-trending topic. Like people, The trending topic was like, what if Malcolm and Martin were, were on Twitter <laughs> and, um, you know, the civil rights Twitter beef? And my friend called me back from the White House and he said, Sean, He said, that's why we didn't appoint you to the task force. And oh, it stung. (laughs) Because he was right. I was a loose cannon. And I realized at that moment, and this is the hook of what I want to teach you right now. I realized at that moment that I wanted to speak and lead like Malcolm. And at Malcolm's height, he would say almost anything he wanted about almost anything he felt like talking about with whatever words and vocabulary and harshness that he I wanted to speak like that. In a lot of ways, Malcolm had been my role model forever and uh, all the way back to when I was student government president at Morehouse, even though I'm at this school from Dr. King, Malcolm in a lot of ways was my role model. And his example had impacted me even when I was in high school. And so I brought this hard edge to me, and I was always willing to say the hard thing, which really made me an outsider. I was wanting to say whatever I want like Malcolm, but I wanted to have the access of Martin. In essence, I wanted to speak like Malcolm, but get to go to the White House like Martin. (laughs) I wanted to live, speak, organize, and function like an outsider with the benefits of an insider. And this is December of 2014, you know, over six years ago now. And it was a painful, painful moment for me because I realized that the way I had decided to function as a leader in this movement was was going to prevent me from ever being invited to the White House. I had been critical of President Obama in in a dozen different ways, from his inaction on certain issues to the drone program and many other things. And not just that, but I was just highly outspoken, and, and so were many of the families. And one of my dearest friends at the time became Erica Garner, and nobody was speaking just more harshly about the way they, were, they felt like they were being abandoned by local leaders, state leaders, national leaders, and calling them out in the harshest possible ways. And I understood it, and I echoed it. And that also meant that I just wasn't invited to any task force or commission or council. And I realized at that time that I thought being an outsider subconsciously i believed and many outsiders believe this and insiders believe something comparable themselves i believed i was better more righteous than the insider i believed i was more more pure and more bold and more truthful than the insider and that that put me that gave me some level of I don't mean to say superiority, but like, hey, if you were real about this, you would have said A and B and C and D. But all of you who refuse to be real about it, yeah, you get a task force. But those of us who are being real, we're left on the outside. And a few other people joined in and said, you know, that, hey, I wouldn't have accepted the task force invitation if I had been given it (laughs) like a lot of people felt like, okay, we see that you're appointing some, quote unquote, safe type of leaders to this task force. But what I really came to understand, even after I had some conversations with some men and women on the actual task force. And as I began traveling all over the country, and I've said this many times, traveled to 47 different states around the country, speaking at hundreds of colleges and businesses and schools and jails and prisons and, and traveling around the world. What I realized is I would start to get people who would come to me, professors, uh, college administrators, vice presidents, deans, even even, you know, uh, board leaders, corporate executives and others who would say, Sean. Thank you for saying what you say, because if we said it, we'd be fired. Sean, thank you for speaking truth to power the way you do, because that would get us in deep, hot water where we are. So thank you for being our voice. I would hear this everywhere I go. When I would, my family moved from, uh, from California to Atlanta to New York, and I could walk the streets, this is pre, pre-corona, I could walk the streets of New York, and every block I would go, I was writing for the New York Daily News at the time and people would stop me and say, thank you. You're saying what I'm thinking, but really don't feel like I could say because of what I do. And and so I felt like I have found my role, but my role was going to limit me from having insider access. And instead of rebelling against it, I have grown in a lot of ways to just accept it. And what I have tried to do is to understand something that many insiders taught me. They have said to me, Sean, I wish I could say what you say, how you say it, to the people you say it to. But the only reason, Sean, I'm in the position I'm in, the only reason I've been able to move up this ladder, the only reason I've been invited to this task force. Is because when I wanted to say what you say, I held that back so that I could finally get to a task force like this and then in the best way I know how speak truth to power. In other words, they had held their tongues, reserved their thoughts in order to gain access to spaces and places of privilege and power. And we can critique that all we want. And many of you who are listening probably will because a lot of outsiders listen to this podcast. But I have grown to accept that we have to find ways for outsiders to be outsiders, for insiders to be out, for insiders to be insiders, but for them to have smart ways to collaborate. I also say that to say that I'm an outsider. I push from the outside. That's my role. I. I now work with a lot of insiders all over the country, and I have helped elect people to be in the inside, but I stay outside. I generally don't even do the meetings inside, even when I get invited at this point, because I want to be able to say what I need to say without it jeopardizing anybody else. I want to be able to organize the way I need to organize, call out what I need to call out, but I do it with the full understanding that insiders may not get it, and they may not like it because I may be pushing against them. But when you say to me, "Uh, why aren't you doing and then fill in the blank of something that insiders do, it's because I'm not an insider. And there are plenty of insiders filling those roles. And I need you to understand when it comes to the Biden-Harris administration, I'm not welcome and i don't say that condescendingly i burned those bridges a long time ago and i don't say that flippantly uh there have been fewer people on the left as harshly critical of joe biden and in some ways kamala harris although i i, I feel like she's evolved more than joe biden has evolved uh and have even i've taken heat from the left for even saying that i feel I feel that 2020 Kamala Harris is the best Kamala Harris we've ever seen. I feel that 2020 Joe Biden is pretty comparable to every Joe Biden we've ever seen. And uh, he's a little better. And uh, I think Kamala Harris is significantly better. But I'm not welcome there because of the harsh way that I campaigned against them in the primaries, because of the articles that I've written, the things that I've said. and And that's been confirmed to me from from people who are on the transition team. Um, I'm not asking for a seat at that table. Thankfully, I have friends who are at that table and a part of those teams. But you have to understand that we all play our role. And just because my role makes you uncomfortable, understand that many of us who are pushing from the outside – We see the insiders and it makes us super uncomfortable, (laughs) okay? And and neither one of us are better than the other. And right now, whether you understand it or not, I'm pushing from the outside at BidenJusticeDemands.com to make sure that they actually have strong policies to confront mass incarceration and racial injustice and police brutality. I'm pushing from the outside, but... I'm in constant conversation with people on the inside as well. And that's the smartest way I know to organize and it's how we have to do it. Listen, I've got a role, love and appreciate all of you. Let's keep on pushing. We got a lot more work to do. And uh, hope all of you can join us at Demands.com. Take care everybody. Break it down. Break the break the break the break. break, break.